0: prayer and testimony service this morning appreciate the, the spirit that's there with that the Lord has been good to us hasn't he uh, much cooler this morning giving us some refreshment and reprieve so the Lord is good let's begin this morning in our uh, studies in our class today by having a, a word of prayer and uh, at this time uh, brother Doug would you offer a word of prayer for us this morning
1: Lord,
2: we ask now that your spirit would continue with us here in this class as we've had in the prayer service, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings and pray we will learn new things of your will and your way for our lives and that we will grow in strength, in spirit, and in humility, Lord, to remember you in all that we do and say. And I ask this all in thy son's most holy name, even our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thank you. So on Monday, we uh, began talking about Section 4, and we wanted to reference the first part of that section, which was the marvelous work that had come forth among the children of men. We talked about the restoring of the church, uh, particularly the importance of restoring the priesthood authority and the ordinances. We talked about Joseph's experience in the grove, um, and why that was so important we talked on uh, Tuesday uh, a little bit about the essence of patience and yielding uh, along with temperance and why those are important characteristics of the saints to add to their faith yesterday we specifically focused on uh, something that's probably difficult for all of us because it gets to the core of our sin and rebellion against God which is uh, pride versus humility and how important humility is among the saints Uh, That we grow stronger and stronger, as it says in Helaman, in in humility and firmer and firmer in the faith of the Lord Jesus in that. And so that's important. Uh, Humility is critical for the Lord to be able to work with his people, to be teachable, to be like little children, right? And we referenced that yesterday, that unless you become like a little child, you can't enter into the kingdom. It's because children are teachable and they're humble. Not that they're perfect, because we know children are not perfect. They do a lot of things that need correction but they are teachable. And it's important that we as a, a people are teachable and, and humble. And we looked at the examples of how pride um, had uh, been a violation of what we call one of the great spiritual universal principles that is always in effect. That uh, you can't break that law or it, the law will break you. And we looked at Lucifer from the very beginning. We looked at the fall of man yesterday. Uh, we looked at the examples and scriptures of that. So that leads us up to uh, what we're adding to our faith to embark in the service of God. And uh, we're told to remember these particular attributes as Latter-day Saints in Section 4. And today's attributes that we've been given are the two of knowledge and diligence. Knowledge and diligence. And so I want to kind of get into this a little bit. Uh, uh, first of all, I want to just probably make this statement. Uh there is the ability to know of something. And in particular, I'm thinking of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can know of him or we can know him. And there's a big difference in that. Uh, I can say I know of things of someone and I know about them, but I can't say always that I know them. And so when we're talking about having a, a knowledge Right. We're talking about knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the importance of having that that sure knowledge. OK. And so today I want to kind of kind of look at that And knowledge, by the way, it's 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 an enlightenment of our minds. Um, there is a, a fundamental difference between the different types of ministry in the, in the doctrine it comes it talks about that. Right. Uh, it says the priests and the elders right there to go and preach, teach, expound and exhort. And all of those are different types of ministries. Uh, Brother Oakman addresses this very specifically between preaching and teaching ministry. He says, Preaching ministry is bearing witness of what you know to be true of the word of the Lord in testimony in your life. That's preaching. Teaching ministry is different, more of what we're doing here in class. Teaching ministry is directed specifically towards the mind to correct misperceptions or to have an enlightenment of our minds of the truth of of the things of the Lord. Exhortation, to exhort someone is to urge earnestly. You exhort them to do what they already know they should be doing, exhortation, right? Uh, And expounding is simply taking the scriptures and extending them, expounding them to uh, greater understandings and connecting them with things Uh, perhaps that have been written in other places, you're expounding. Jesus did a lot of expounding. He took something that the Pharisees and the the Jews knew, and then he expounded upon them so they had a greater understanding. So expounding and teaching uh, both are related more to the mind and the intellect. So when we're talking about knowledge, it's important that the saints have a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to know him, not know of him, but to know him. How else are you going to bear witness of him? How else are you going to testify if you don't know him? And so, Latter-day Saints, it's important we have this sure knowledge of Jesus Christ, that he is, that he is the Son of God, that he's the only begotten of the Father, that he sits on the right hand, and that he was resurrected, that all man also might be resurrected. And that's really what the coming forth of the Book of Mormon, in part, was about, right? It's part of this great, marvelous work, was a second witness of the truth and divinity of Jesus Christ right of his resurrection it says and of the resurrection of all men right through him and so this is the importance of knowledge and having knowledge Uh, it's listed as the gifts Uh, now you guys know uh, we've talked about this before about apostle paul he was a, a good teacher of the jewish tradition so he lists the gifts of the spirit and the first gift that's listed is wisdom and then the second gift is knowledge followed by faith and he goes on down the list right um, knowledge is so important to have that it's listed as number two only to wisdom as number one. And the two work closely together. Um, have you ever seen somebody have, uh, have the gift of knowledge where they were really just, they had an understanding and a knowledge? That is a gift. Now, that gift can still be corrupted without wisdom and how to use it, but it is a gift, right? So, knowledge. Uh, it says... Uh, my people perish for a lack of knowledge why would we perish for a lack of knowledge any thoughts and Trenton has the mic if you want to speak So, any thoughts as to why we would perish for a lack of knowledge brother Brian and we have a hand there go with Doug first then Brian second lack of knowledge of the commandments that would lead to salvation Okay, don't know the commandments of what the Lord has for our salvation. Okay, Brother Brian? You believe, okay. Okay. How to act before him, very good. Uh, So a lack of understanding of what God is requiring of us to, to be able to come into his presence. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. So we have to be a knowledgeable people. And this is why we're told in many, many different scriptures the importance of of attaining uh, understanding and knowledge. And what what was the whole thing that led this off about Joseph's experience in the grove? If any of you lack wisdom, right, don't know how to use what you have, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not and it shall be given. Let's turn to section 90 in the Doctrine and Covenants. Definition of knowledge. Section 90 talks a lot about In the beginning, a man was made with the intelligence of God and had agency. In section 90, verse 4b, we are told this about ourselves. Ye were also in the beginning with the Father, that which is spirit, with a capital S, the Holy Spirit, even the spirit of truth, and the truth is the knowledge of things as they are, And as they were and as they are to come. And whatsoever is more or less than this is the spirit of the wicked one who was a liar from the beginning. So here's our definition of knowledge. Knowledge is the the, uh, understanding and the truth of things as they are currently, as they were in the past, and as they are to come. Which, by the way, before the Lord, that's all the same because he doesn't change, right? For us in time, we go past, present, and future, but before the Lord, it's all present, okay? But for us to understand that the truth as given to having a knowledge of things comes to us, and how does it come to us? We were in the beginning with the Father, and that which is spirit is even the spirit of truth. So the spirit, with a capital S, the Holy Spirit is so important in our under, having a knowledge and understanding, It's why we always, always before we study our scriptures, whether it's in a collective setting like this or whether it's in our own homes by ourselves, we should always go to the Lord first in prayer that his spirit might give us understanding and truth. Because if you're like me, I don't mind reading, I like digging things out, but there's things that I've read and I've gone over and I've read them six or seven times and I thought I knew it right okay i understand what that scripture's saying and then the seventh time you'll read it and all of a sudden under that light of the spirit it takes on a whole new meaning i i never saw that before i never had that kind of understanding right and that's how the spirit of truth right tells us things as they were as they are and as they are to come and the saints have to have that kind of understanding because you get in situations you need to know what the truth is right it says satan right anything more or less than the truth Right, anything more or less than the truth is from the wicked one who was a liar from the beginning and we know this because what are some of the characteristics that Satan is described by he's called the father of lies the deceiver of the nations the accuser of the brethren right falsehoods so Christ is the way and the truth and the life Satan is a deceiver of the nations right he's uh, the father of all lies so we have a, a opposites here, right? And just to point out the fact that in Satan there is no truth, period. He may give you a partial crumb that is partially true but he always couples it with what? A falsehood. And if you guys remember from your classes in school if you had a true and false question, if any part of the question was false the whole thing was false, right? This is the, the, the very essence of how Satan works. He'll take truth, part of it, and couple it with a lie. Therefore, it makes the whole thing not true, right? Because of what it's coupled with. That's what he did with, uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ when he took him in the wilderness. Remember the temptations? He took a partial truth, coupled it with a misapplication, which was a lie, and then told the Lord, see, if you just do it, it says in the scriptures, and Jesus always corrected him with what? Knowledge. It is written, right? That's how the Lord always responded to the temptation. It is written. Joe? Well, Satan has as well. Yes, he does. And there's a good example. He used that against Christ. He, used, he knew what the scriptures say yeah. and used that and knew where to twist it. That's right. You know, so he's got a knowledge. So we've got a. there's just another testimony as to why we need to have knowledge. Yep. and And to be in tune with where all truth comes from, which is the Holy Spirit, right? To have that. Uh, There's two sources of of truth and knowledge. You have the written record, which is what we're studying here, right? Which is an important source of what has been inspired, right, by the Holy Spirit for uh, these men to write down from the Lord. And then we also have the Holy Ghost, which brings to us an understanding of things by the Spirit. In fact, my patriarchal blessing talks about that. It says, seek learning by study, this, and also by faith and faith is an assurance of things hoped for by experience with the spirit and so we have to have both right seek learning by study and also by faith you find that in section 85 that was quoted in my patriarchal blessing you must use both seek learning by study and also by faith which comes by experiences through the spirit it will be it will teach you in fact it goes on to say in all your learnings and pursuit remember that the holy ghost will be your greatest teacher and that's important for all of us to understand. The Holy Ghost will be your greatest teacher, okay? So the fact that in the book of John, let's turn to John eight forty four. 44. Just a simple statement here, but it's an important one. So when the adversary takes something and twists it, right, there is no truth in Satan. He is darkness. Truth is light. Truth brings clarity, right? Every revealment of Christ is all about clarity, about seeing things clearly for what they are, and as they were and as they are to come, right? That's what prophecy is, is the nature of prophecy is about, right? Revealment of things, of of the nature of Christ. But in in the adversary, there is no light, and there is no truth, ever. So in verse 44 of John 8, it says, this is... uh, (laughs) Jesus speaking unto them, Ye are of your father the devil. Now that's a pretty harsh statement, okay? But he's, he's, Jesus is being very truthful here, right? Ye are of your father the devil, and the less of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. He abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So, this is the nature of the adversary that's against us. The greatest power that the devil has is to try to get you to see something that's not accurate. To get you to see it in a lens that is not completely true. To deceive you into thinking that it is truth when it really is not. Or to get you to see something slightly different than from what it was intended. That's the greatest power that he has. That's, what, that's why he's referenced here like that. There is no truth in him. Everything that he puts out there, even if it appears on the surface to be somewhat true, is always attached to a lie. And a great example of this, right? Uh, I've seen uh, uh, Christians, uh, and I don't want to get into politics here, so I don't intend to do that. But uh, this is done all the time in politics. Okay. And, and and christians get sucked into this right well the lord says you know he wants you to have the ability to choose okay so therefore you need to be able to choose whether or not you have a child first part of the statement is a true statement attached to a what a falsehood okay so that's how it always works a truth is taken and then coupled with something that's not
1: yeah funny you bring up politics um that particular verse Mm -hmm. could you please clarify to whom jesus was addressing
0: well he's he's addressing uh many of the leaders of the time here so yeah uh verse 31 talks about he was talking to the jews who believed on him and uh if you were going to be my disciples and so forth but there's a lot of kind of the, the the leaders of the time uh, what's interesting about this, this statement is he doesn't mince words with this. There is no truth in him. Okay, So we have to have a knowledge to have an understanding of what, what God has said. And this is why the most important statement of the foundation of the restoration was the experience in the grove. It was the experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was the experience of John after Jesus was baptized. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. You must hear the voice of the Lord. Whether it's the voice as being recorded in scripture by the spirit, whether it's the spirit itself or his voice speaking to you, but you have to hear him. Because how else are you going to know and have a knowledge? Uh, You have study and you have by faith. Okay. Knowledge is an attribute of God given to man for the benefit of all man. Now, this is important. Not just the person whom the knowledge is given. Everybody, when they think they get a little knowledge, they think they're pretty smart, okay? And the world is really bad about that, but it happens in the church, too. You get a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of understanding, which is great, right? And then they think, look what I have, right? Look what I've done. And it's not about you. And this gets to what we talked about yesterday, humility, right? Okay? Whenever knowledge is given, we need to understand knowledge is given not just for the individual who the knowledge is given for, it's also given that it might benefit all. God is not exclusive in his ability to give knowledge and understanding. Now, some may not be willing to hear it, but God is all about bringing forth light and truth. That's the whole nature of Christ. I am the truth, right? I am the light. I am the life of the world. And so, the nature of gaining knowledge is not for ourselves. That is a very selfish perspective that will get us into deep trouble with knowledge, if we're not careful. Greg, that's exactly
2: what Jesus was pointing out to. It was the Pharisees that he was talking to. Mm-hmm. If you go further back, this account took place right after the woman was taken in adultery and they were ready to stone her. Yeah. And then they put the law that they understood in front of Christ, and he said, "He who has no stone or no sin, cast the first stone." And so he was laying their sins right back at their feet as well. Then he moved on. The Pharisees hung around and they started to question him with their knowledge and what they perceived as their wisdom. And he basically took them right back to the scriptures where they didn't really want to go and continued to reveal to them truth. Because they had knowledge and they were skewing it to justify what it was that they wanted, not the truth as God
0: would have it be. They had done something that's the cardinal error and rule. That which comes from Christ cannot be greater than Christ. And they had reversed that. All knowledge and truth we are know comes from Christ. He says, I am the truth. Everything that we have that we know to be true stems from Christ. They had reversed that. And they had put the truth of what they understood of the law of Moses ahead of that which bore witness of what it was to bear witness of right and he he chastised them and this is something we have to be very careful when we're talking about knowledge knowledge is critically important to have but it must always be tempered there's the word temperance not excessive but it must be tempered with humility and the spirit and that's the beautiful thing about christ he spoke pure truth in pure love no one else has done that not to that degree pure truth with pure love. That is what made Christ so uh, wonderful in his ministry. He was always truthful, and he didn't pull any punches, but he always did it in the right spirit in which it was offered. Just to give you an example here of how he chastised, and this gets to Grace's comment, Uh, if you turn back to John, uh, real quick here, John 6, chapter, verse 39, this is where he chastises the Pharisees because he specifically is saying, you have put knowledge and the law ahead of me. And in verse 39 of chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 5, I said 6, I meant 5. Verse 39, he says as he's talking to them, for ye have not his word abiding in you. Now, to say that to a Pharisee, what? I don't have the word, the law abiding in you. I mean, that would be the, the most horrendous thing you can say to a Pharisee because they pride themselves on the word and the law, right? You have not his word abiding in you, and in him whom he hath sent ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. You search the scriptures, and you place them on a pedestal above that which they are testifying of. You have put them up here as an idol above Christ. So this is a valuable lesson for us. When you get a little knowledge and you have some understanding of his scriptures that come to you, which is a wonderful thing, that which comes from him cannot be greater than the fountain that it comes from. All of that comes from Christ, and it bears witness of Christ. Everything that Christ puts out is to bear witness of him. Everything in the scriptures, all of creation says bears witness of me, right? All of it. There's no exception to that. And so um, knowledge is a powerful thing, but it can be abused. It can be used for good or it can be used for bad. It can be, it's like any of the other gifts. It can be corrupted if it's not undergirded with wisdom. If you turn real quick to 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. When people are normally talking about the wonderful gifts of the spirit that the Lord has placed in his church, immediately a lot of the saints will go in their minds to the gifts of prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, right? They'll go to healings, right? Usually those are the things people think of right off the bat, and those are very important, powerful gifts that the Lord has given by his spirit, gifts of the spirit. Um, However, those are actually down the list as Paul lists them, right? Uh, We've said already that knowledge was number two, only behind wisdom in importance as far as his listing was concerned. In 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, verse 6, it says, Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation, or by knowledge, or by prophesying, or by doctrine. Okay, now what is he saying here? What are you going to profit if I come to you speaking in tongues? You already believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is who he's talking to here. Tongues are for, the, for unbelievers, right? Right? The only way you're going to profit is that I come to you and I speak with knowledge to expand your understanding. With knowledge, with prophecy, right, or with doctrine. So it's important that we know and have a knowledge. It's important that we know the doctrine of Christ. And there is, by the way, only one doctrine of Christ, not multiple doctrines. There's multiple principles, but one doctrine, okay? And it's important that when we address fellow saints that we speak with an understanding of knowledge, because we already believe right or you wouldn't be here you wouldn't be in the work. what's important then is we need to address each other in a knowledge and an understanding of doctrine and that's why he says I won't, you won't be profited unless I speak to you in that that way right you're already you already believe so that's an important uh, reason why we have to be a knowledgeable people I, I'm going to be very honest with you I think as a, as a people and, and I say this uh, very um, with the idea of hopefully urging you forward, we're too illiterate of our scriptures. We really are. And uh, the Lord wants us to study him out, to seek him out. Because if we seek him out, we'll find him. He says, I I promise you, you, you will find me. If you lack wisdom, ask of me and I will give. But you have to put forth that effort. Brother Steve.
1: Can we go back, Michael, to John 8, verse 44 again? Sure, go ahead. But look at verse 43. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot bear my word? In the King James Version, it says, because ye cannot hear my word. Well, they could all hear it, but they're not bearing Bearing it. it. In other words... We have to do what he says. Yeah. And that's to your point just a second ago. Yeah.
0: Very good, very good reference there. And that's one of the things that obviously was changed from the King James in, in the inspired version to have a better understanding of what he was addressing there. Very good. John 8:43, right before 44. 8:43 and 44. Very good. Thank you. Since we're in John 8, let's stay right there and let's flip back to verse uh, 31. And 32. John talks a lot about this in his writings. And I love John. Uh, it's one of the if there's someone who's wanting to seek out more about the understanding of Jesus Christ, John is probably one of the best testimonies of the four in, in reference to that. In John 8, 31 and 32, we have uh, this statement. over too many pages it says here in 31 and then said jesus to those jews which believed on him if ye continue in my word then are ye my disciples indeed and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free what is it about truth that makes us free because let's be honest the way that the world is in bondage today is because of lies and deception That's the power. You see it all around us. The filth coming forth, right? It's all about deception and half-truths. The truth, it says, shall set you free. Why does truth set us free? Okay. She's saying deception can manipulate you. Through deception you can be manipulated. Brother Mike. Because
2: the lies and the deception bring fear and so we we then are slaves to that fear but the truth the truth in jesus christ and the hope of salvation
0: sets you free from that fear you hit on a big key point here the power of the resurrection we have nothing to fear anymore do we in death as fallen man Because of Christ, if you believe and have made that covenant, right? You believe in Christ and in the power of his resurrection that all men can be resurrected. There's a a deep fear out there of death. And that is one of the primary things that the adversary likes to use to cause people to have great anxiety. And as a result, right, of lies, deceptions, and things like that, it has a power to control people to act certain ways and you want to know how the world's uh, in bondage that's a big key part of that the truth will set you free the truth that is found in christ right which all truth comes from will set you free and this is true not only in the bigger sense of what we're talking about here but it's true in your individual lives every single day the truth will set you free we've got several hands here so reggie greg and our brother back over here uh back in the back
1: two things. Um, Christ set the example by having all truth and he was not in bondage to anybody. That's right. And we can go back to the anti-Nephi-Lehi people. Once they received that truth, they were free of the spirits of this world. They were under the spirit of God. And their response was according to that,
0: not to man. Yeah. And Christ was. He was the freest man on earth, right? There was no no Nothing that shackled him down. He was free to do the will of Father and because he embodied the truth in an individual form, right? All right over here.
3: Brother Mike, I was wanting to share with you in regards to this. Uh, this morning when I opened my scripture up, there was this leaflet that we'd had from a another class, and it, it's a quote from brother, not brother, but from President Abraham Lincoln. Sure. And he says, I am not bound to win, but I'm bound to be true. I'm not bound to succeed, but I'm bound to live by the light that I have. I must stand with anybody that stands right and stand with him while he is right and part with him when he goes wrong. And in keeping with that, um, I also had a testimony as pertaining to with our passing of our dear brother. Sure. My father passed a number of years ago, but he had dealt with cancer prior. And in praying for him, uh, came to the understanding one morning as I prayed, I prayed knowing that the heavenly father could heal my earthly father. I didn't doubt that. But as I was reading in the scriptures where the Lord rebuked Peter mm-hmm. for thinking more of the physical body than of the spirit, mm-hmm. I was convicted. Yeah. And I started to pray that my father would fulfill his purpose.
0: Yep. The spirit is aspect is always much, much more important than the other. Brother Greg?
2: I think the freedom that continues to just beat at my head, and I hope I'm not jumping ahead of you here, but it ultimately jumps on over into Romans 8:1 and 2, when Paul says, "There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin." And death, and if you mm-hmm. S- mm-hmm. slide on over to First John, it talks about uh, having the Holy Spirit of promise and having God dwelling in you at all times. Therefore, you will not dwell in sin, and that's the ultimate freedom. Yep. Because if we're bound by our sin when we leave this earth, then there is no freedom in eternity.
0: Yeah, the freedom comes uh, in in ways, and you you feel it when you when you have. Taken on an understanding of knowledge and truth, there's a piece of spirit that comes over you because it changes your perspective, right? There's things that's happened, and I won't get into all the details at school where something's happened at school with students, and I'm feeling really, really not good about you know how things have gone and where that student is going, and uh, I'll pray about it, you know, put it in the Lord's hands. I've done all I can do here, and sometimes, not always, but every once in a while, the Lord will share a truth or share. Uh, a knowledge about the, something about this individual or bring it to my remembrance about it, and it changes my perspective about something and all of a sudden I have a peace that comes over me and I know that that's from the Lord that because of that understanding that knowledge that truth that my perspective has changed nothing's changed with the child <laughs> the, the situation still the same my perspective has changed and because of that that peace that freedom comes And you still have to deal with it, but you deal with it now in a way that you have that that piece of, that says, passeth all understanding. Uh, Sister in the back.
3: Um, I was just going to say that we are sinners, Mm -hmm. and we are free in Jesus Christ because we have the knowledge in the truth that He has given us, and that's what makes us free from yeah. free from sin.
0: Yeah, free from sin, and that's what uh, Brother Greg was reading out of Romans: free from sin and death. And it is a freedom, right? Uh, I've I've seen individuals. I've I've been in situations where I've gone into a, a person in the hospital, and you knew they were not going to be there long, and. Uh, Sometimes you have conversations there and, and you seen I've seen people who were just filled with all kinds of torment and anxiety about death that was coming and I've seen just the opposite. I've seen people who I'm at complete peace with my Lord because they have a knowledge of things as they are and as they will be and there is a freedom that they have there and it's and it even says in one scripture right uh, that death will be a sweet savor unto them right the peace of passing into that knowledge of what they're moving to. Tremendous, um, our brother right here. We're giving Trent, Trent, a workout here.
1: Uh,
2: one, one thing uh, that came to my mind was uh, truth never changes. Yep, that's right. And God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, you know, if you ever, if you ever tell a lie, you feel horrible about it. If you ever see, you know, police investigate a thief, his story always changes. The truth never changes yep. truth, and our
0: God never changes. That's the beauty of why we can trust him because he's unchangeable, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's really, if you, if you look at all prophetic utterances, right? Prophecy given in the church at any time, it's a greater revealment of Christ. That's really what it's about. It's not about foretelling the future, right? I hear people say, oh, the Lord, you know, if you prophesy, we'll know what's going to come. No, that's not really what prophecy is about. Prophecy, though it may relate to something that's going to come, it's about a greater revealment of Christ. It's to see Christ more clearly. That's really what prophetic utterances do. You've seen that over and over collectively or or speaking to us individually. Uh, patriarchal blessings, prophetic utterances are given in there, and it's not necessarily just about what's coming in the future. It's about insight of the nature of Christ in your life. Uh, right behind you there, Trenton. In, in essence, isn't it,
3: a, isn't it the Lord bringing us to a one heart and one mind yeah. that as the truth is revealed that we, yeah. Yeah. we we come we fulfill we become able to communicate and be with him
0: yeah it, that's that's part of sanctification is bringing our hearts and minds uh together in one within ourselves and and that's we struggle with that right when you ask a person if they're struggling about something in life most of the time they're struggling because in their mind they know one thing in their heart they want to do something else that's where the struggle really happens internally and uh, unless our hearts and minds are one in Christ, the knowledge that's given to us here, but also here, right, our desires, unless that's one, right, we're, our, our efforts are not going to be sanctified towards the cause of the kingdom. And so sanctify yourselves before me. Get your hearts and your minds together in one. Have a, you know, Study these things out and pray into the Father, and he'll give those things that are expedient for you in those moments that you need it. Having a knowledge of Christ is so important. But remember, it must be handled with humility always. Uh, Sister Albert.
3: You know, I'm not smart enough to be able to lie. Because you have to remember (laughs) what you say if you lie. And if you tell the truth, it's always right. And truth is definitely right. And I am not smart enough otherwise to be that way.
0: And and that's a great thing, right? (laughs) That's not a bad thing. All right, let's look at, real quick here, uh, why the scriptures and knowledge is is, uh, so important for us. In section uh, 46 of the Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, beginning with verse uh, 1 here 1a hearken o ye people of my church this is for all of us for verily i say unto you that these things were spoken unto you for your profit and learning but notwithstanding those things which are written it always has been given to the elders of the church from the beginning and ever shall be to conduct all meetings as they are directed and guided by the Holy Spirit so here we're given these things spoken to us for our profit and our learning okay it's hard to exercise faith in something if you don't know about it how can you exercise faith in Christ properly if you don't know all of the beautiful things and the truth of Christ your faith will increase through a gaining of understanding and learning of the nature of Christ because you'll have a a greater adoration of his attributes of his uh, abilities your faith will be increased in him uh, because of that for your profit and your learning by the way what does the word profit mean we think of this usually in temporal terms we can use it that way to start with here what the word profit if you make a profit it's for your what your gain or increase, right? It's your gain or your increase that you make after the effort you put in. Okay? That is the same thing spiritually. It's for your profit. It's for your gain and your increase and for your learning. So that's why these things have been written and given to us, this knowledge for our profit and our learning. And remember, it's not just for you. It's also for others as well, right, that, that may need from time to time. Um Tied with that very closely, let's turn back to 2 Timothy, the third chapter. This is, of course, Apostle Paul talking to a young Timothy who he's kind of taken under his wing in the ministry. He's trying to show him the importance of, uh, of approving himself in his understandings of of the scriptures, and he gives this address here in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3 to Timothy. All scripture given by inspiration of God is profitable, there's that word again, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So he's telling Timothy here if you're going to be furnished to do this great work, which we're a part of, right? The great marvelous work. If you're going to be a man of God, right? You must have an understanding of the scriptures because they're given under the inspiration of God and are profitable for doctrine, to know the doctrine of Christ, right? How you're going to know about faith and baptisms and repentance and the laying on of hands, those things. For reproof, for correction, we all need to be corrected in our thinking from time to time. Right? We think things wrong. There's times I go back in scripture like, uh, I didn't understand that I was, I was wrong. Correction, for instruction in righteousness. Who doesn't want to be instructed in righteousness? Right? The ways of the Lord. So, this is so important that then we gain knowledge and we take the time, take the time to study out His Word, right? If earth has its price for the treasures of earth that we enjoy so much, and it takes effort to gain those things, how much more do you think it is that heaven has its price for the treasures of heaven? You have to take the time and the effort to seek him out. And it's always about seeking him because, really, when you're seeking truth, if you really are looking for the source of it, you're seeking Christ, are you not? Because he is the source of the truth. So every time you're seeking truth, even, and, and they won't admit this, they don't understand this, but even scientists, when they gain this a great knowledge of something, you know, they learn how to cure something or whatever, that is a truth that tells more of the nature of Christ. They don't always view it that way, but that's really what it is. Look at all the things mankind has been given of a knowledge for the benefit of man if it's used in the manner designed of God. That's the key, right? Unfortunately, we take to take the things of God and we want to use it for ourselves, and we can point to the world and look at that, but we do the same thing individually. Sometimes we take the truth of God and we work it in a way that is our benefit, and we have to be careful with that. Truth, it says, is independent in the sphere in which it is given, section 90. Truth is independent in the sphere in which it is given. So truth is truth, it always is truth, it will always be the truth. I hear a lot of, here again, here is the lie Satan puts out, and I hear kids say this all the time, well you have your truth and I have mine. That is an incorrect statement of incorrect usage of truth, and that's the lie. You have your opinion and I have mine, but there is only one truth, right, right? And so it behooves us to know the truth, right? There may be multiple opinions about it, but I will will quote 70 Tommy Thomas. He says, I will take one scriptural truth against 10,000 opinions. I want to know what the Lord has said about it. I don't care what people think, all right? I want to know what the Lord has said. One scriptural truth is worth 10,000 opinions. Brother Steve Willey.
1: There are no uh, discrepancies in truth. Five plus three will always be eight. Eight minus five will always be three. Truth is never at variance with other truths. Uh, we find here in this Second Timothy, Michael, mm-hmm. um, down there in verse 14, that word continue again. Yes. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been a- assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We, we, kinda, we have to go to section 50 for just a second if you yeah. could, paragraph 6. Section 50, paragraph
0: 6, did you say? Yes. Okay. Well, that whole section there. Sure. But
1: paragraph 6b says, wherefore, wherefore, he that preacheth and he that receiveth understandeth one another, and both are edified and rejoice together, and that which doth not edify is not of God. And his darkness that which is of god is light and he that receiveth light and continueth there's that word again mm-hmm. in god receiveth more light and that light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day that's our yeah lot in this life yeah. is to continue in the truth in the truth and he'll bless us and we'll yeah. keep climbing higher and higher
0: i love that that's a great cross reference there to put in with our our stuff here that's excellent Right? If you continue in it, you receiveth light, and continue in God, you'll receive more light, and that light groweth brighter and brighter to the perfect day. That's really what we're about here at Reunion, is it not? Why we go to church and worship is to continue in the truth that we know up to that point that we might then, as we continue in that truth, gain greater light, Right, and that light grows brighter and brighter. That's why we worship at church. That's why we come to Reunion, Right, those things, to, to do that. I love the hymn that we sing. Uh, The Lord hath yet more light and truth to break forth from His Word. Right? We limit not the truth of God to our poor reach of mind. Right? Wonderful hymn about this very thing that we're talking about, because He does have more light and truth to break forth from His Word. It's like a whole vista. He, he, you have an understanding or a knowledge of something, and you think, Wow, okay. I've arrived, (laughs) don't ever think you've arrived because you haven't, but you think that, right? And then all of a sudden, he opens up a whole nother curtain, a whole nother vista opens up of something you had never even considered before, let alone have an understanding of, right? And you're like, it's endless. The gospel of Jesus Christ is endless as he teaches us greater light and truth. To have a knowledge of him and to grow in that knowledge and to have a, a more perfect knowledge of him, as the scriptures say, that we grow in that from day to day. And that's what it's all about. That's what worship is about. I hope you understand that. The worship is about spirit touching spirit. It's about us coming into his presence. And when people say, oh, it's wonderful we had the spirit at our service this Sunday. Or we had the wonderful spirit at reunion. And you'll ask them about, well, you know, the, you know they'll say something like, the Lord spoke to us that was wonderful and then you say okay what did the lord say i don't know but it was great right they've missed the whole point right it's the instruction under the spirit that brings us further along in our climbing up the mountain of the lord and uh, every right we're to live by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of god proceedeth is a continual thing it proceedeth it hasn't proceeded it proceedeth continually from the mouth of God right that's why we mentioned yesterday man is not to live by bread alone but by every word that proceeded forth from the mouth of God that's how we live that's how we gain a greater life a life more abundant so uh, excellent scripture to cross reference there in section 50 uh, verse 6. I wanted to talk about (laughs) what we do with this knowledge It's one thing to gain knowledge. Eh, What do we do with the knowledge? All right. I'm getting to a point here where I'm going to have to break. Um, Let's go ahead and break here because we're right at that moment. I don't want to get into this and have to stop in the middle of it. So let's take a short break, about five minutes here. We'll flip the tape if you need to use the restroom, get a drink or whatever, and then we'll come back in about five minutes here and follow up.